I've been told it's a good idea to start a speech with a joke. Well, don't get your hopes up. I'm not here to tell jokes. I'm here to pick a fight. Frenchy scores his 200th NHL goal. You ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Boston Bee Party. I'm David Rodriguez. With me, as always, is Tyler Scales. Tyler, how are we doing today? Doing good as always, Dave. That's good. I'm glad to hear. Um, little housekeeping. Last week we recorded at Bill Ricca Access Television. Thank you very much to all the wonderful people over there. Uh, we are back in our home studio, so to speak, at Connecticut School of Broadcasting at the Newton location. Looking for a career change? Call one eight hundred TV Radio right now. Uh, today on the Boston Bee Party, we're gonna go over the last four games. Three zero and one in those last four games. We'll get into that. we got some injury updates coming up. Halak played in his 500th career game the other night. we got a new segment coming up later on. And we're going to touch base about another coach under investigation for abuse and another coach fired down in New Jersey. But starting off, let's get to the Black Friday game. We touched about this game last week. We wanted to both kind of hustle out and watch the game. Um, 3-2 comeback overtime win for Boston. Not good in this one. Played pretty well throughout the first. They did give up a goal five seconds after killing a penalty. Halak lost his stick in McAvoy's skates. Pavel Bushnevitz, top shelf, cross-corner snipe. Um, He had Brendan Lemieux pretty much screening pretty well in front of Halak. Tough start to the game, even though they were playing well. Yeah, even though I think Halak had an amazing period in the first period, uh, I think there was like one part in the 13-minute mark where he had an amazing save. I think Sabanjit had that shot, and he he nearly scored on Halak, but Halak was there. And, you know, Halak's been, you know, he's been playing really well recently. I think a lot of people, especially the Bruins fans, have been wanting to have him more on the ice than Rasks. Yeah, he uh, he made a big save against Buchnevitz, excuse me, again in this game, and then got a little lucky later on where the puck kind of just trickled along, not quite on the goal line, but within a few inches yeah, of it. Yeah, the Rangers have had a lot of close chances in that game, but Halak was there to save up most of the pucks. I think mostly, if Halak wasn't there for that game, he, I think the score would have been very different if Ross was, Ross was in there. Uh, you, you're turning on me too. That's okay. I get it. I, I understand. But it's the uh, truth, though. I mean, Halak no, has been playing amazing. Halak's been playing absolutely out of his mind, and it's great to have two goaltenders that are number ones in this league. Um, I don't know if there's any other team in the league that's this lucky right now as far as goaltending, where we can look at some stats later if you want. I know we were talking earlier uh, about the goaltending situation again. Um, I get it. Halak's been playing great. What, he played three games this week, in the last week? Yeah, it's it's nothing against Ras. I mean, Ras has been playing well recently too, but I think Halak's just been the better goalie. Yeah. Uh, I I can see that, and I agree. I don't know if the numbers really tell that same story, but I agree with you. He's been playing a little bit better as of lately. Yeah, but then again, we're going into Christmas season, and right now we're not in the spring, so it could change, in my, my opinion, on Rask or Halak playing first. It's a long season. We're about a third of the way through, so yeah, totally. still got two-thirds to go. Six minutes into the second period, Denton Hine gives the puck away to... Uh, Panarin, who charges in on Halak and finds Strom to his right for the shot on goal. Uh, the rebound goes directly to Heidel, and he buries it. 2 nothing Rangers in second period. Turnovers were an issue in this uh, second period. 
as they have been in pretty much every second period. Yeah, I believe they had a five. I believe the Rangers had a five on three, and they could not capitalize on it. The Bruins' penalty kill was there for them. They yeah, the, to their penalty kill has been pretty darn great yeah. uh, this year. Going into this game, the Bruins had a eighty-three uh, percent penalty kill rate uh, for fourteenth in the league, so middle of the pack. I think it's gotten better over the next few games. McAvoy ends up getting in a fight with Brendan Smith. He's a pretty tough guy. They they exchange a couple of shots. McAvoy loses his footing, pulls Smith down. I think this was the start of the turning point in this game. Totally. Um, I forget exactly why McAvoy took exception with Smith, but he stepped he stepped up and people really responded after that. Yeah. Um, the next the next turning point in this game was the five on three for the Rangers. Um, Grizzly with a high stick penalty and less than a minute later. Corrali with a cross check. Carlo gets his stick on the first on the first shot. Chara clears, and then for the next two minutes, there were no shots on goal. Boston with good possession and sticks defensively to kill yeah. the five on three. Yeah, much better period too for the Bruins. Uh, yeah, their penalty kill has been, has been really improving lately. I don't know which is better, the power play or the penalty kill, because both have been just been amazing this season, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, one of the best power plays in the league. Penalty kill has definitely been improving. Um, very good over the next couple of games. We'll take a peek yeah. at that. Um, kind of, so then we had Jack Studnika. He had some great hustle to beat out in icing, and this leads yeah. to Boston's first goal. DeBrusque loops out from behind the net, out to the blue line, takes a shot as he turns. Corrali tips it. It bounces off a Rangers defender and then get a, gets the Bruins on the board. Yeah, I honestly thought Stenega had that goal. It was going to be his first career goal, you can tell. But Corelli had that goal, of course. And, you know, Stenega's been playing absolutely amazing. It's a shame he got called down to Providence for uh, John Moore. But, you know, he's been improving his game. I think we'll definitely see him again. Probably maybe later this season if something happens with injuries. I think we'll see him again. And he's playing, again, he's been playing amazing. Yeah, he did end up going down to Providence after this game. And that's okay. He's a, he's a younger guy. Uh, you want him to continue to play you don't want him to ride the pine and not be playing because that's just going to be counterproductive yeah with that kind of talent like Stiknicka and Gantz you'll want them to improve their game in Pro- down in Providence it could help them a lot in my opinion just make some improvements and then when you cook help out to the Bruins see what happens like with the Anders Bjork who's been amazing lately yeah I want to talk about Anders Bjork later uh, I don't think I've, I don't feel like I saw enough of him last night but in the previous games that he's been playing, I, I think he's got some good stats, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, kind of an odd situation. Marshawn goes for a hit at the end of the second period, ends up getting an elbow to the face, and then after his first shift of the third period, which was a fairly lengthy shift, he played a good 30 to 45 seconds, I think. Um, he gets pulled when we find out later. It's a concussion spotter. He's not happy about it after the game, apologizes uh, to the refs, I think via Twitter. Um, but it was just, he missed about six or seven minutes in a tight game. I can understand his frustration on that. And it was, you had the whole intermission to come down to the locker room and say, hey, we want to check this guy out. What were your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, it was unfortunate for Martian, of course, but he did get back on the bench. So it tells you that Martian has a lot of guts on the ice. He is passionate for the, for, and he's, his compassion and compassion. It's passion, not compassion. 
his passion for the team has been amazing for Bruins. You know, you need you need a guy like him on the ice. And he's been getting his point streak up lately too. Pasternak ends up chasing a high lob from Krug into the offensive zone. Can't connect, but Krejci is right there and on the forecheck. Boston fights to get the puck back. Krejci and DeBrusque both go for the same puck below the goal line. Uh, both start to peel off. DeBrusque realizes that Krejci's going to the front of the net. Picks the puck up. Goes to pass it to Krejci. It deflects over to Pasternak. And we get the game-tying goal. Yeah, this was a good goal for Pasternak, especially since he didn't have his first lines with Bergeron and Marshall on the ice. We had DeBrusque and Krejci. So it tells you that DeBrusque, of all people, on the first line got a plus, or actually an assist, I believe. Did he get an assist? Uh, yeah, he got the primary assist on nice. that, I believe. So yeah, it's a, he's been. you can tell DeBrusque has been playing very well recently. He's definitely one of the high. He's definitely one of the higher ups for uh, secondary scoring. So, yeah, he's been very. He's been doing a lot of primary stuff, as you said, primary assists. Yeah, and he, I believe, going into last night's game, had six points in six games. So he's really starting to heat up. Absolutely. We talked earlier in the year about the importance of a guy like him, getting going and getting that confidence because he is a streaky player, and you want him to. Be able to, you know, get on the score sheet, whether it's a goal or a an assist. He is also, I apologize, he also, when he came back from injury, when he went out on injury, he would actually was actually just starting to heat up, and you wanted to see him continue that as soon as he yeah, came back. Yeah, you can tell he had a gloomy start in the, in the uh, start of the season, but he's now starting, you, you said it before, he's starting to pick it up now. He's turning it up in the heat, and... uh He's been playing very well recently, and he's definitely one of the players to watch out for for the Bruins yeah. for secondary scoring. He had the secondary assist on that. He had the primary assist on the Corrali goal uh, earlier in the game, so yeah, sorry just... about that. So we get into overtime. Halak plays the puck on a wraparound, which ended up being a real good play because you had the Rangers coming in on the forecheck. Pasternak ends up getting the puck at center ice, enters the zone, splits the Rangers' defense, passes the back puck back to Krejci, who shoots a pass with Diving Lundqvist for the game winner. Let's hear the call from uh, NBC on that one. Krejci gets it to Pasternak and watch this little move. One against two. He goes around a forward, Pavel Booth, which Nevich. And then he throws it back to where he came from, and there's David Krejci and goes top shelf on Hedrick Lundqvist. You heard it right there. I mean... It was just a beautiful play. Just yeah. dangles right in between the two players, and Krejci follows up the play, ends up right where, pretty much right where Pasternak just was, rips it home. And if you see the the video, you see Lundqvist. He's just outstretched yeah. and can't get to it. So, yeah, one of the most primary things in overtime, in my opinion, is crashing the net. You see Pasternak skating, going through the defense, and it looks like he was going to go for a shot on Lundqvist as he goes in, but he sees Krejci. Delivers a sweet pass to him, and Krejci just nails it in there. Lumpus had no chance, so, yeah, Pasta and I made a really simple play by crashing the net. You see Krejci behind him, he's ready for a pass, and he gets it in there. Yeah. And, you know, special teams have been playing very well for the overtime recently. Although, yeah, uh, last night yeah. aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that game later. One of the things I didn't like about this game uh, was... Boston took six penalties. Some of them, meh, not so much. The Corrali penalty was so questionable, in my opinion. That I was, was. I was just about to say that. I agree with you. That double minor high stick, I believe it was. I, 
I don't know. I I didn't see it. I yeah, I saw that, it. I think I saw it more as the Rangers player stick lifting. Yeah, but hit. But Corrales stick hit against hit Smith in the face, and he got an injury. But it wasn't really Corrales trying to. It wasn't his intention to do it. It was mostly the New York player just trying to lift his stick and not let him get the puck. But yeah, I, Corrales I, just got unlucky. I I think it was more the Rangers player pulling the stick. Corrali stick yeah, into think, the Rangers. Yeah, but I think the Rangers player's face. intention was to lift a stick from him, not to get the puck. Yeah, I was just trying More to make a stick a, lift. Yeah, he was absolutely just trying to make a nice uh, defensive move on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Marshawn Chirpin, the concussion spotters. You know, he had some stuff to say, basically, about getting their heads out of their asses and stop eating pizza and popcorn or whatever. Uh, he did apologize the next day. Hopefully he doesn't get in any trouble with the league on that. I don't know if we would ever even really hear it i'm david rodriguez with tyler scales on the boston b party don't forget to follow us on twitter at boston b party one up next uh, i want to talk about the montreal game on sunday a nice 3-1 win for the third straight game and four out of five though since scoring first in 16 of the team's first 22 games boston gives up the first goal to a montreal team that comes in reeling having lost seven straight eight after this one they give up a goal real early in this game. Yeah, it was this, what two minutes in. The main problem with this game, in my opinion, was the giveaways. There were so many, especially with the first period. Char gave it away to Army, I believe, and it just led to a simple goal. So it was unacceptable just for the giveaways, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a tough one to put on Tuca for the simple fact that you think the big guy, the captain of your team, who's back there behind the net, has the puck, and he ends up just getting it taken right off his stick. Um, and then Joel Armia takes the puck to the side of the net, turns and bounces it off a of McAvoy skating in. Uh, I I don't blame Tuker on that one. Yeah, I don't blame. I, just, I blame the defense for this. I'm gonna talk about Char McAvoy for for this week specifically. They have not played well at all. Yeah. I haven't seen them do a damn thing at all. And this this is one of the goals that they let. That that's mostly their fault. And there's another goal in Chicago that I believe is their fault as well. Yeah, it's not so much that they haven't done anything. It's what they've done, unfortunately, has been negative. Um, I, I like Chara. He's been really good yeah. for us. He's, what, 42 years old. He's playing yeah. year to year right now. He's only making, I think, like $3 million. He's definitely taking a pay cut for the better of the team. Uh, you see him out there on, in tight situations because that's where you expect him to play his best. Unfortunately, he hasn't been this this year or so far this year. He is scoring goals for you. I think he's got four or five goals on the season, a handful of assists. But it's just, are we seeing are we seeing the end of Chara? I think, I think we talked about that in the office before the game. Is is this is this the steady decline for him, or is it just unfortunate puck luck? I think right now it was unfortunate puck luck, but at the same time, I'm gonna be honest. The other defensemen, such as Krug, Grizzlick, and Carlo, they have been playing better than Chara, in my opinion, because. Krug and Grizzlick, they've been scoring some goals for us recently, which is very good to see for a defensive scoring. So, yeah, and, you know, even though Char has had some goals, in my, of course, in the Ottawa game, he had a goal, fifth goal of the season for him. I, I haven't really seen much of it from him. I've seen more from Grizzlick and Krug and, uh, and, uh, Carlo. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, I, I think I can agree with that sentiment. It's definitely been a trying year for the big man. Uh, he had some trouble later in that period trying to clear the puck on the penalty kill towards the end of the period. 
So, I mean, other than that, the the first period of that game was fairly even. Um, yeah, Tuka course. was solid on the penalty kill. You know, he did give up that one goal. I mentioned Chara had some trouble getting the puck out. Second period was slow to start. McAvoy and Clifton with a couple heavy hits in that. Montreal was making sure to finish their hits, especially on Pasternak. We, we can touch base on that, too, because he's been getting hit and hit and hit. Um, to me, this was starting to look like that classic Claude Julien, one nothing grind out the win kind of game. You know, chip and chase, make the hit, make punish them for coming into your end. Is this the classic Julian to you, or I think this is just the classic rivalry between the Bruins and the uh, Canadians. Just physical play. You get into a couple of fights, and then yeah, this was mostly more of a physical period, and and Bruins again just had more giveaways to give for uh, Canadians. Yeah, Shea Weber and uh, Shea, excuse me, Shea Weber and uh, Pasternak kind of go at it a little bit, causes yeah. quite the scrum. Yeah, I believe the Bruce got in the uh, box for that too. He was having a little bit of a scrum with one player. Uh, not on this one. This one, um, Boston ends up getting the power play out of because off of the faceoff in the defensive zone, Pasternak sidesteps, I believe, Gallagher, uh, and Weber uh, takes some liberties of him as he comes across the blue line. Pasternak doesn't like it. Wasn't anything too dirty or anything. Pasternak uh, pushes him back, gets his hands up in his face. Then all of a sudden you have... Brendan Gallagher and Thomas Tatar coming up and ganging up on Pasternak. Nebraska ends up pulling Gallagher off. They end up on the ground. I think that's what you were referencing there. Yeah. Um, and then Weber is kind of grabbing at the another Bruins player, like yanking him, yanking him, yanking him to try and get him out of the pile. So Brendan Carlo comes over and just gives him a nice little whack on the face. I thought those two were going to go at it, but uh, mm-hmm. Boston ends up on the power play on this one. And this was, uh, I think, a little bit of a turning point in this game right here. Yeah. Uh, Ralph did have to make a pretty big save on a Gallagher breakaway a couple minutes after that. But it was about uh, six minutes into the third period where Pasternak scores his league-leading 25th goal. Let's hear that one right now. Carlo. Bonders Bjork. As Pasternak ahead, the drive scores! 25 for Pasternak! Black aspirin in the upper corner! I, I love the celebration on this one because it was so minimal. Um, you have Brandon Kahlo make a nice play in the defensive zone, passes the puck up the boards to Anders Bjork, who then leads Pasternak into the zone, and he just flies right to the dot, Rips that shot cross corner, hits the post and in, and he just turns to the crowd, stops, puts his arms out, and it's kind of waving his hands like, "Yeah, that's right, you love me." And it was it was just beautiful. <laughs> One of the most, it was pretty subtle kind of, uh, uh, maybe not subtle, but it was just a, a simple little celebration, no jumping all over the place. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of that goal and that celebration? Yeah. The main thing I love about Pasternak with his goals is his accuracy and shots. That slap shot he had on the Corey Price, he had no. He that was just one of his best goals in my opinion. Just there's no player I think who can do that besides I, the only one I can think of is Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin or maybe Wayne Gretzky in my opinion. Can yeah, get a goal like that. The broadcast actually even I think remember Brent saying something about that reminded them back in like the '80s with Gretzky and Bossy and how they used to just pull up in that circle and slam it home. Yeah, you can tell Pasternak was having a lot, was just having a lot of fun with that kind of goal. He looked like a cane out there. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, Pasternak, I think, in my opinion, has been getting a little overconfident with his goals. And that's not a good thing because even though you got most of the goals, there's still a player like Connor McDavid that can catch up to you and, like, you can just lose that chance to get a trophy. Yeah, I'm not so sure he's overconfident with the goals. Um, I, well, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think it's more... Going into the other games, I think you might agree with me. Agree with me. Okay. Because, you know, he hasn't been getting... After this game, I don't think he had any goals. Yeah, I think this has been really... Um, this stretch has been the toughest time for him recently as far as teams going after him. They're coming after him. They're making sure to finish yeah. their hits. They're taking some liberties. There's some stuff that I feel yeah, is I th- questionable. I think, they see, I think they see Pasternak as a target because I think they see him as the most dangerous player on the ice for the Bruins right oh, now. Absolutely. He, he, and he is. He is. Absolutely. Um, Tuka Rask has to make a pretty big save on Max Domi after Domi has a nice little slick move to walk, to hit, stick handle the puck through Brendan Carlo. Boston would go on a power play a couple minutes later, and David Backus would score his first of the year when uh, David Krejci finds him in the buffer position. Let's hear that goal right now. Backus nudges back to Krizlik. McAvoy past the dot, back to Krizlik. To Krejci, top of the circle, to Backus, he scores! David Backus with his first goal of the season puts the Bruins ahead! Welcome back, David Backus. After missing, I believe, 13 games in four weeks of the season with that upper body injury that he sustained against Ottawa when he ran into, um, please forgive me, I forget the player's name. Uh, he gets his first of the year. It's nice to see him back. It's nice to see him on get on board. The injuries this year, uh, we've touched base on them several times. They're just the mountain. I believe Boston has played yeah. 32 skaters including the two goaltenders, so 30 forwards or defensemen to this point this year. They've played a total of, like, 37 all year. Um, so, I mean, it's the depth on this team is just unreal. Yeah, and, you know, I need, I need to give kudos to the staff who treats the injuries for these players because this is the second time I've seen someone come back from an injury and have a goal. I believe Crew was the first one to do it with an overtime goal, and now Bagus does it with his first and I've seen Backus recently. He's been playing a lot better than he has when he came back from injury. Yeah, he looked good in the game the other, the last two games too. Um, after this Montreal game, I agree. Yeah, really, I'm really happy to see Backus back. He's he's definitely a significant player for the team. Even though we've seen more of uh, the secondary team with guys like Stadnicka playing good, and uh, also with Nordstrom and Wagner doing some things. Yeah, out there. Uh, it was nice to see. Nordstrom get on the board last night. Again, we'll get back into that later. So, seven minutes and 11 seconds after Pasternak scores the first goal for Boston to tie the game, the floodgates had really opened after that. Um, Jake DeBrus scores his sixth of the year with a nice little give-and-go from Charlie Coyle. And his celebration was great to me because he ends up getting knocked over, and he's like a turtle on his back celebrating. Hands up in the air, almost kicking it around a little bit. Boston has... Over these last course of a few games, has been giving up the leads early, having a hard time fighting back in, coming back late in the third. Uh, I think their third period goal differential is somewhere in the 30s. Yeah, it's not sustainable. It's going to be really hard to do that throughout the entire course of the year. 
but it's been nice to see. And, you know, uh, I saw somebody on Twitter the other day say, or was it on the broadcast, say something to the extent of this team just doesn't want the fans to leave. So they get you, they kind of like uh, lolling you a little bit, and then all of a sudden they start playing, and we end up in situations like this where three unanswered goals against your biggest rival and your former coach. So Montreal would pull Price about two and a half minutes to go, but 40 seconds later, take a too many men on the ice penalty, pretty much game over at that point. Yeah. Um, Montreal with eight straight losses at that point. I do believe they won their next game against the Islanders 4-2. to two. I love it when Montreal loses. It's a rivalry thing. Yeah. On to Tuesday against Carolina. Uh, Carolina comes to town for an Eastern Conference Finals rematch. They come in after beating Tampa Bay 3-2 to two on Saturday. Halak playing his 500th game. That's quite the feat. Only 74 yeah. other, uh, only 73 other goaltenders have done that. Yeah, I believe guys like Martin Bedour, Roberto Luongo, and of course Tukarask is up there for uh, 500 games. Yeah, it's been a it's been a season of milestones uh, for the Bruins this year. Yeah. So Halak ends up playing in this game, gets his 49th career shutout, making 24 saves and a two to nothing victory. The win would give Boston eight straight. Wins and points in 12 straight, undefeated at home in regulation. People are starting to get sick, a little sick of hearing that stat. Uh, a loss is still a loss, but you get the the tie-slash-overtime point. Boston comes out shooting in this one. Carolina had good speed and good team defense to keep the game nothing-nothing for most of the game. I don't know about you. I thought this was more of a, a good defensive game on both yeah. ends than anything else so during the second period there was a part where the puck was thrown on the net on the side did you see that by any chance was that when they thought um when carolina thought they had a goal yeah, they thought they had a goal and uh but it turns out it was on the side of the puck and like they thought it was apparently not a goal because the, the net was uh not ready for uh hockey time so <laughs> no i, I believe because nesson zoomed in where the puck went and you could see the rubber on that yeah i saw I, that too the, the, the puck just went right through the net ripped it through i yeah, it i think it was happen. jacob slavin with that shot celebrated when it first went through everybody myself the commentators were just like that can't be a goal how the hell did that go in because yeah. halak was tight to the post there was no space for it um replay got it right on this one that's Honestly, what replays with for. the terrible officiating that's been going on in the NHL, I thought that would allow that to be a goal. Yeah, you thought, well, it was so obvious you, you couldn't. And that's what replays <laughs> for, is to fix mistakes yeah, like that that course. are clear and obvious. Not this, uh, he's a half a centimeter over the blue line, or he is tickling my goaltender as my goaltender's in the blue paint trying to make a save. You know, like, sorry, don't be ticklish. Yeah. <laughs> You know how I feel about that. With this allowed goals, of course. Um, both goaltenders came up big. Reimer on Coyle early in the first and later on Bjork in the third. Halak on Hamilton and Svechnikov in the second. Svechnikov's was a, a good save on the breakaway. He's got that glove just in that right position above the pad, and it just yep. nicks off and goes out of play. So far, I believe Reimer has been like one of the Toughest goalies we've faced this season, especially during the first and second period. He played his ass off, and I think I think he saved the Carolina Hurricanes from a pretty big score depth, in my opinion, 
for uh, the first and second period. Yeah, this game could have gotten out of control if it wasn't for Reimer. And you're right, he always plays us well. Uh, I don't know what it is. He was uh, in Toronto, I believe he played us well. And when he was in Florida, he played us well. Um, so I, I, we seem to run into those goaltenders that just play well against us uh, as far as Boston goes. Um, I, I don't understand it. It's just one of those things. A goaltender knows your tendencies or has played you enough to to get your tendencies down. So uh, Charlie Coyle finally breaks the tie at 15.55 of the third period when he tips the puck five-hole after Heinen makes a real good defensive play at the defensive blue line. Plays a little give-and-go with Marshawn. Marshawn knows that Coyle's sitting basically all alone in front of the net. Puts the puck towards net where Coyle's able to tip it home. Boom. Yeah, you know, One nothing. again, as we said, Coyle signing that six-year contract, I think was really worthy. This was, uh, he's had another goal. He's been continuing a point streak, I believe. I think he's been having a ton of assists, but, and of course he's had goals, but, you know, Coyle, he's definitely one of the other guys like the Brust to have a main asset for secondary scoring. Yeah. And it, I think Coyle will always be a first-liner for one day, or maybe yeah, I, season. Yeah, I think it's, I think he's, I think they're preparing, and this is just, pure speculation and I've heard some other people talk about it is that Coyle is signed in case you can't get Krejci so he would end up moving up to your second line yeah uh, centerman um, yeah I think him and Pasternak could well together in my opinion just see what happens there yeah we've, there's been some uh, line switches lately where Coyle was with Mashon and Heinen on the I think that was the second line and the first line was Pasternak, Krejci, and DeBrusque, which I like to see. I mentioned that to you before. Um, it, we all know that Cassidy isn't afraid to mix up his lines. And, you know, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were saying he should take the blame for the Game 7 loss because he's stuck with that, quote, perfection line, which, you know, I hate that. Um, he's mixing it up now out of necessity. I think when Bergeron comes back, I think the team would do well if you played Bergeron down on that second line between DeBrusque yeah. and Heinen or Bjork, whoever ends up getting that right-wing position, and then moving Krejci up between Pasta and Mashon as as a power line, and then you can you know, mix and match that right wing like you're doing now anyway, it seems yeah. like. Every once in a while you see Pasta knock on the double shift. So in my opinion, I think Bergeron, when he comes back, he should play with the first line to see what happens. Just get familiar with this line again, of course. But and as I t- said before, Backus and Crew they got injured. They came back. They had an amazing game with goals. So I think the staff, once again, the staff has been doing really well with um, bringing back players for the, like to get them prepared for another game. So I think they should try Bergeron for a first line shift. And if it doesn't go well, then try second line one. Yeah, you're probably right. Get him back into his uh, normal position. Get him to feel comfortable again. I, I agree with that. That's a smart move. But once he gets up and running, I think you should kind of jumble it around. You never yeah, know what's going to happen. You still the have playoffs. the playoffs to prepare for, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Same page. I like it. So a minute and eight seconds later, David Krejci would score his 200th goal of his career. Let's hear, let's hear that right now. Corner glass. My first day, folks. Pasternak, Edmondson, 
Reaches around, Pasternak gets it back, McAvoy's wrist shot, Frenchy scores his 200th NHL goal! This was a good all-around offensive play as far as I'm concerned. You had David Pasternak win a puck battle below the goal line. He finds Charlie McAvoy up at the blue line. McAvoy takes a shot with purpose, and Krejci's just able to tip it blocker side. So the moment we heard this Krejci goal, the entire studio was starting to shake. Because <laughs> this was an amazing goal, and you see Krejci with his 200th goal, that, that's just amazing to see. We don't really see many players get those amount of goals. Yeah, no, it's definitely a feat, and yeah, of course, speaks to good the, milestone. Yeah, it speaks to the longevity of certain players: five hundred games, two hundred goals. Um, what was it? Chara had what fifteen hundred games this year. Yeah. So, um, Boston would clamp down defensively to finish this game. The last two two and a half minutes, not really a lot going on. Rima um, has to make another save. Halak has to make another save or two. Not not really a lot to talk about after that, but two yep. nothing. I think the wind kind of came out of the sails for Carolina, and we just uh, you know take the two nothing win. Yep, good game. Uh, this is the Boston Bee Party. We've just recapped the New York Rangers Black Friday game, the Montreal Canadiens game, and now the Carolina Hurricanes game. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Boston Bee Party One. Folks, the end of the game last night, uh, you heard the Alex Debrecat goal making it 3 nothing early in the third, about 17 seconds in. You heard Tory Crude complete the comeback, so to speak, as far as tying the game. And then that semi, not really, in my opinion, controversial winning goal by Jonathan Taze. Uh, I don't think he did anything wrong when it comes to Pasternak, I understand where people see it. There's definitely been many, many calls over the last few years when you see a stick come horizontal like that in the midsection. <clears throat> Excuse me. That have been called hooking. I think that's what Pasternak was looking at. At first, I thought he was tripped. Having the opportunity to go back and watch it in slow motion, I feel like their skates just ended up in the same spot as um, 
Taze was going to give him a check down on the hip. I don't know what your thoughts on that were. Just so I agree with you. I think it was. I think it was. It is questionable in my opinion. Um, I think Taze's intention was to like take Pasternak off the puck, take it from him, and go for the breakaway, which he did. Which he was successful in, and he got the goal. So. But yeah, I, I agree with some people saying it can be questionable. I understand what they really come from. My dad said it looked like a cross check to to him. So, even yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely borderline cross check. If you ask me, uh, I, I didn't think it was worth a penalty. If it was the if it was against Pasternak, if the rules were reversed, would you call that a pen? Would you want that called a penalty, or you'd be happy with the game winning goal? I'd be happy with the game winning goal from a. Uh... Whoever my teammate is. Even if it's a bit of a gift, I get it. Yeah. So, last night, we saw Boston's eight-game losing streak get snapped. Point streak extended to 13. It just it wasn't wasn't their greatest game, but it wasn't terrible. They go down um, 2 nothing by the end of the first period. Yeah, I think they had a shorthanded goal, too, for uh, Carpenter. Yes. During, so, it was the first goal in the first period. That's... I believe their first one in a while. I can't remember the last shorthanded goal they've had. I believe it was their first shorthanded goal allowed this year. Um, yeah, and it was against one of the teams that have been having a hard time getting a win. So Yeah, you gave this team so much life, especially with that opening goal. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy falls, along, falls down on his own offensive blue line, gives up the puck. Carpenter comes up the ice with uh, Connor Murray. Puts home Connor Murray's rebound past Rask. I mean, the puck bounced right to him. I, I know I'm a Tuka defender. Uh, that, that one's on the defense. Of course, you, I agree. You mentioned how you felt they were kind of slipping. Yeah, and this is one of the examples. This goal right here, there's, you got to get that puck. It's just it's just simple defense, fundamental defense. But you just couldn't Yeah, you just couldn't get it out. It's unacceptable. You're, you're on the power play. You, you're giving up. This happened to us. Uh, this happened to Boston. I don't know a million times last year. Clearly an exaggeration, but you're on the you're on the power play, and you either you have a bad pass and it springs the up opposition, or you bounce it right off their skates and you can't catch up to them as they're already flying the zone to get the rebound off of their block shot. It's it's something that I'm sure happens to every team. We follow this team fairly closely, so we see it as an issue. Uh, although we've the Bruins have been very fortunate this season to not have it nearly as many times as it did last year. You know, 33 seconds later, Chicago on the power play. Dylan Strom left all alone at the top of the crease. I think this was like 10 seconds into the power play. Maybe that was the goal later on. But all alone at the top of the crease, he's able to tip home the Eric Gustafson shot from the blue line. you got to clear that guy out. I know you're on the penalty kill. Um, you've been fairly decent to, if not great on the penalty kill this year. Um, you came into this game, uh, where's that notes? Come on, Dave, be prepared. You do this every week. Ah, shit. Ah, shit. You're going to, you're never going to let me live that one down. Boston comes into this game, 85% on the penalty kill, seventh overall. I mean, that's pretty good. You're top 10. And this stuff happens from time to time, I suppose. Uh, there's not much you can do about it other yeah, than I mean, just gonna figure say, out a different. Yeah. You know, did did McAvoy trip? I I I'm not sure. 
Yeah, so every game just like this, it it can happen. Just every game will have a bad game. We've had it with Detroit, Florida. Although they, they, we play good things to Florida, but it was still a bad third period in my opinion. But, yeah, it just happens. And it gets a team like this, Chicago. It needs to be one of the best teams in the NHL. They have multiple Stanley Cups this decade. So, and by the way, I just realized the decade's about to end soon. Yeah. Crazy. It's not. It's <laughs> not uh, in less than a month. Yeah, it just be, came to my mind. It'll be 2020. We'll be yeah. in the 20s. I wonder if it's going to be the roaring 20s, like the 1920s. I hope so. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's 100 years ago. We'll see. So there wasn't really a lot going on in that second period. One of the things I did want to touch on was Pasternak uh, taking his second penalty of the game. It was a retaliatory kind of penalty. You got other teams targeting you. Uh, you really, he's really going to have to just fight through it. Uh, yeah, I, he needs to realize that he needs. He's one of the better players than some of the other players that are trying to force him into a penalty. So. He's obviously easily intimidated by his, or insulted by how a person goes up to him. So I, I, I'm not so sure it's intimidation or insulting. It's but, every time this, this over the last couple of games, and please forgive me. I I, I just want to get this out before I go brain dead again. Over the last couple of games, he's getting these, and he's just turning to the ref, putting his hands up like, "Where's the call? Where's the call?" Pasanak, you have 25 goals this season. You're not going to get all the calls like a seasoned veteran would, like um, in football, like a Tom Brady, or in hockey, like uh, Sidney Crosby or an Alexander Ovechkin. You're not going to get those uh, veteran calls, so to speak. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, at least right now he's not going to get them. But, you know, Pasanak, he's, I think he's 23 years old, and he's like probably one, he's at 25 goals. For someone that young to get those amount of goals is incredible, in my opinion. But he needs to realize that he's one of the best players out there, and there's going to be players that are. Possibly one day going to be better than him, or on the ice on, during a game will be better than him, or so you got to at least just you know got to go. Oh, that's all right. It happens to me all the time. Um, yeah. And when I say targeting, I mean like teams are just making sure to finish their checks. I do take a little bit of exception with the Zach Smith hit in the third. That's the one where. Um, John Moore ends up fighting Zach Smith, although yeah. he really just got punched in the face once or twice and it was over. Yeah, I, w- I want to get back to what I was saying. Just Pasternak is one of the better players out there. He just needs to get his head in the game, just not be intimidated by it. When I, was, when I played in high school, I always just let those guys just say stuff to me because I didn't want to get a penalty or just do something stupid that would cost my team a win. So Pasternak, I, I think he's just like just try and stay quiet for now. I mean, obviously you try and... Not yeah. be insulted. Just try to do your best. Just be respectful. Yeah, let the refs do their job. If you got an issue with it, say something to them between the whistles. Hey, why wasn't that? What? Whatever. I, I, I'm not a professional player. I don't know how it really works like that. Yeah, but I, I see them talking with the refs and the linesmen all the time. There was a good shot of Halak talking with, uh, I believe, one of the referees last night, and they're both smiling and chatting it up. So, yeah, so my conclusion is I think Pashnak can, like, maybe just try to stem it down a little bit with uh, some of the players thinking that they might target him. He just yeah. needs to realize that players just want to take him down a little bit so they can, their other players can, you know, get some stats for their own. Yeah, absolutely. And you you know, I mean, Cassidy, I think, even made reference to it where they do it to other players, not so much targeting him like this bad hit I'm going to talk about in a minute about Zach, Zach Smith, but trying to knock him off the puck, making sure they know you're there, finishing your checks. It's all part of hockey. Pasternak said something about it being all pot of hockey at the end of the game, and it doesn't really throw him off his game. 
but he's got to realize that that's what teams are trying to do. And you can't be turning to the ref after every time somebody hits you, good hit or not, and expect a call. You're not, you're a great player. You're not at that area where they're going to protect you, apparently, the way that they would protect a Sidney Crosby. We talked about it 17 seconds into the third. Alex DeBricat, uh, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, puts Chicago up. 3 nothing. It's the first time all season Boston's down by three goals. A minute 30 after that, Joachim Nordstrom would put Boston on the board with his third of the year. On a line with uh, David Backus and Pa Lindholm, Backus would shoot from the right wing circle. The rebound goes directly to Nordstrom, who quickly slaps it home. Nice to see some secondary scoring. Backus two points in three games uh, since coming back against Montreal. Positives. I, I like the positives there. Um, yeah. Mixing up the lines. That was some interesting lines over the last couple of nights. Um, we mentioned Coil up with, or would it be down, I don't know, with uh, Mashan and Heinen, and then Pasternak, Krejci, and DeBrusque being a line. So, yeah, we've mentioned several times that Cassidy is not afraid to mix up his lines. Chris Wagner would score a shorthanded goal with just under five minutes to go in the game. Breaks through the neutral zone around a Chicago defender who's fallen down. He buries Arista, pulls them within one. Two and a half minutes later, Tory Krug would come down, pinch along the boards. And to me, on this goal, it was almost like he was shadowing Pasternak because they were in such close proximity along the goal, the goal line um, in the corner. And then he just kind of slips across towards the net on the bottom of the circle. Who's there but good old Jake DeBrus to find him. Um, lifts it cross corner for yeah, the, for the game tying goal. That was a good one. We listened to that just a few minutes ago. 54 seconds into overtime, Jonathan Taze ends it. You know, we touch base on that goal. I, I don't have much more to say to that other yeah. than you, you, you get knocked down, get back up. You can't yeah, be arguing for calls. Consider a bit questionable, but it's, it happens. It happens. Yeah, uh, this is David Rodriguez. This is the Boston Bee Party. I'm here with Tyler Scales as always. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Boston Bee Party One. We've just uh, recapped the last week of Bruins games, three zero and one in those four games. Uh, it's time to go around the NHL. We have a an assistant coach for Chicago, Mark Crawford. He's under investigation by the NFL, uh, NFL, oh my God, wrong sport, Dave, by the NHL. Uh, Allegations of abuse uh, from when he was coaching in LA and Vancouver. You had Sean Avery come out out and say that he was kicked after uh, too many men on the ice penalty that he caused. And Brett Sobel claimed he was not only kicked, but choked when Crawford was his coach. This coming a week after, or within a week of Bill Peters being fired in Calgary for uh, racism allegations. I, I know that there's arguments to be made that this stuff has been going on for ever since there's been coaching. Uh, doesn't make it right. There's uh, arguments that it will never change or you're just trying to motivate a player. You don't have to be physical to motivate a player. You were saying yeah. you played hockey in high school. How would your coach motivate you? He would just tell me you have to do better on this one specific part. If you can't, you just need to continue practicing. Just don't just stay home and just, you know. 
And what if you made a mistake in game? When he wanted, obviously, you being a kid, he wouldn't hit you. Yeah, but... he, he would criticize me for it, of course. He'd just say, do better on that part next time. You can't do that again. And you Maybe. would take it at more as constructive, const- yeah. Const- yeah, constructive criticism as opposed well, well, to verbal abuse? I would just say, why would he say that? I'm doing good <laughs> where I am. But now when I'm just as growing up as an adult, I would take that as a constructive criticism and just say, I agree with him. He's definitely telling the truth. Okay. That's, yeah. you know, you, that's when, when you're playing sports, when I played sports, I always tried to take that as constructive criticism, whether yeah. I agreed with the coach or not. Wasn't up to me. He was the coach of the team. I yeah, had to listen to what he said if I wanted to play. Um, again, if he's gonna be slapping me around, go fuck yourself. That's how yeah. I feel. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just unacceptable behavior. You can't do that to a player. That's gonna lose. That's gonna make them lose their morale, and it's gonna make them unhappy for the team. If they had it, something like this too, I would probably go to the general manager talk about this. Yeah, but, yeah. Happy, but anyway, I am happy Chicago was investigating this because this kind of behavior is very unacceptable. You can't do this to a kind of player. It just makes them look makes them look like they don't want to be a part of the team. Yeah, and there's, there was allegations against Babcock and how uh, verbally abusive he was to uh, Johan Franzen. Uh, another former player wrote it in a book three years ago. I, it, it's, um, it obviously needs to change, and I'm glad to see that. They're doing something about it. Yeah. Um, we had another coach fired this week. New Jersey Devils fired their coach, John Hines. Tuesday, uh, he had a 9-14-4 record to start the season, 22 points. You know, you have a Tyler, uh, Taylor Hall down there. You have a P.K. Subban. Your goaltending obviously has been suspect. It's just um, time to go, I guess. He was on, yeah. he was sub-500 since... 2015 he ends up finishing with 150 wins 159 losses and 45 overtime losses the main thing that the jersey, the jersey devils need to do is try and reconstruct the team i think they're trying to do it because they got pk subon and wayne simmons on the team now but it appears right now it's not helping them out and right now they could lose taylor hall and when they fire their coach Hines, this might be like a decision where they have to construct the team in a new way and as I read this, I think Heisen is a really respectable uh, coach. I hope he comes back to the NHL soon or does something significant for uh, hockey. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he's been slapping his players around. So. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, so that's three coaches within the last, what, two, two and a half weeks fired. Babcock yeah. in Toronto. Uh, Peter's out in Calgary, which, you know, we talked about that. And now John Hines. Who's next on the chopping block, in your opinion? I can't tell. Probably the Detroit coach. You think Detroit? Even though they beat us. But. <laughs> Detroit is uh, losers of eight straight at this moment. Yeah, but honestly, like, we're right now like early into the season. I think firing coaches is a bit too early, in my opinion. I, I thought Babcock getting fired was a bit too early for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I think, think coach... I think it was too late. You should have done that in the offseason if you okay. were even thinking about doing it. it but... uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, but that's just my opinion on that one. Yeah, but I think firing coaches at this point who are doing okay, maybe have a little win streak going, but then have a huge loss-lose streak, maybe just question what you need to do for your team. But right now, I think going into the Christmas season, I think maybe into the new year, maybe you can start questioning how you can handle your coaching. But in my opinion, I thought the New Jersey Devils coaching firing was a little too early. But 
Well, it is what it is. Don't forget, you got the mold of St. Louis last year. St. Louis was last in the league around this time. Fired their coach, gave the job to Barube as the uh, interim head coach, and I mean, you know what happened. We we know what happened. Uh, My opinion, even though there's a ton of money tied up in him, I think it could be Julian. This is a good time. I mean, obviously, you don't want to fire anybody right before Christmas or the holidays. But I think he's next. There's a lot of expectations up in Montreal, and he's underperforming, if you ask me. Uh, loses of, I think, 9 out of their last 10. They have 30 points, 12, 11, and 6. Lost again last night, or the last game they played anyway. That that would be my opinion. I, I, I like your Detroit call. I, I can't find the coach's name out there, so I do yeah. apologize. He looks like the uh, Penguins head coach to me, but the uh, the LA... <laughs> that's just my opinion. Sorry. The LA Kings, they they're not doing so hot. I don't know when their last coaching change was. Anaheim, who started off on fire, is down in the basement again. Yeah, and Los Angeles too, which sucks to see because they were also really well in the uh, uh, 2014. You mentioned Taylor Hall. I know you wanted to get to that. You've been yeah. hearing, or well, we've been hearing trade rumors quick 30 seconds thoughts on taylor hall i do not want taylor hall on this team he is currently playing for a team as we said that's not been playing well and he has been playing well this season all maybe because he just doesn't want to be on the team anymore but i hope that's not the reason but he is uh unrestricted at the end of the year yeah, too i i do not want him on this team and if we trade him for a player like the brusque worst move i believe the bruins will probably make in a while yeah, that so, would just be unacceptable. I know he's a good player, but I do not want him on this team. I just would rather keep him for another one. Put him on like a team like Arizona. I don't care. I do. I don't want Taylor Hall. Arizona. I, I, good, still, I, I respect him as a player, but yeah, I just don't want Taylor Hall on this team. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, again, a, a one a great player was MVP a couple yeah, of years of ago. Leads the Devils with 22 points, four goals, 18 assists. If you want a couple first rounders for me, I want to see more than that. Um, yeah, just no if hate I for, was the GM. I have no hate for the guy. I I think he's a good player. I just think if we take him, I feel like this would be a downfall for our team, a major one in my opinion for secondary scoring at least. Yeah, we talked about this last week or maybe two weeks ago. If you're going to take anybody from that team, I would take Blake Coleman. 15 oh, points on the year, 9 goals, 6 assists. He's only he's 28 years old, center. I, I know you're heavy at centers anyway, but yeah. uh, if you're going to take anybody from... New Jersey, that would be my my vote. Of course. Uh, I agree. I don't want Taylor Hall. Uh, I feel as though he's too inconsistent. Uh, He's going to want way too much money. You don't have the cap space for his contract this year. You'd have to trade multiple people out. Yeah, we saw what happened with the Boston Celtics with Kyrie Irving. That that guy messed our team up. This is why I this is why I feel like that way toward Taylor Hall. Even though I think he's a much more better player than Kyrie Irving ever was. Kyrie Irving is nothing but a fucking coward. Wow. That's my opinion. I think it's nice. true. I think that's better than your Evander Kane take. Yeah, right. but at least he didn't leave our team. At least Evander Kane didn't leave his team. Hottest teams right now in the NHL. Minnesota Wild, five wins. We have the Colorado Avalanche coming to town on Saturday night. Five straight wins. The Washington Capitals with five straight wins. Three good teams all in the running. Uh, with the exception of maybe the Wild, who is just a little out of it. Um, but the coldest team in the league right now, the Detroit Red Wings. So I think your your prediction or guess of their coach could be the next one to go is 
very wise decision. Let's uh let's move on to the upcoming games. Boston has Colorado coming in on Saturday. They are second in the Central uh, with a record of 18 wins, 8 losses and 2 overtime losses for a total of 38 points. They are 7-3 and 0 in their last 10 and as I just mentioned on a 5-game winning streak. Thoughts on this game coming up? What what does Boston need to do to win? What do they need to do to get back on a um on on track with this? They need better defensive play, in my opinion. Colorado has been I've I've checked their score sheet. They've been going off in every game. They've had like at least three goals every game or more. So they've been racking up points recently and and you know Boston with last night with uh, Chicago, even though we have really good goaltending, I think the defensive play might be a major downfall for us if we play the way like we did in Chicago or and as well as the in Montreal, so so defensive play needs to step up in this Colorado game. It does not and I'm calling Colorado 4-3. You're calling it Colorado 4-3. Yeah. Nice. I like that I think, prediction. I think, I think uh, the Bruins, will, as always, in the third period, will just come back. They're on fire. Uh, they're a tough team to play against. Uh, Boston saw that earlier in the year where they yeah. lost 4-2 to in Colorado. It was their first loss, too, I believe. Uh, they had two goals taken off the board in that yeah. game. you got to keep an eye on a Nathan McKinnon, uh, even a Nazem Kadri, and a yeah, Miko Ratnan. Yeah, I believe Ratnan. Mike, Miko Ratnan's coming back, too. Came back, yeah. Yeah, and then... Um, Philip Grubauer has had a pretty decent season, uh, 10-5 and 0, uh, 10-5 and 2, 275 goals against. Yeah, as always the backup goalie. So that's gonna that's gonna be a tough game. Uh, it's Saturday night, as we said. I don't know. I don't know if Boston's gonna pull it off uh, with Boston's injuries right now. You know, I don't think we're getting Bergeron back. They're definitely taking their time. Yeah, with, with him. these upcoming games this week, it's going to be very tough. You, 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 I've seen the schedule, and you know what's coming up next. It's going to be a tough one, tough yeah. season, I th- tough week. Think probably the easiest game on the schedule, and I say that tongue in cheek only because they're at the bottom of the basement. It's never an easy game in the NHL. Is the Ottawa Senators? They come to town on Monday night. Uh, as of right now, they have 12 wins, 16 losses, and one overtime Actually, loss. I think, I think we're going to their home ice. Are we heading to them? Yeah. I apologize. We're going up to Ottawa. Yeah. That's right. We're After uh, Colorado, we go on the road a little bit, don't we? Yeah. So up to Ottawa Monday night. They just won. They have a one-game winning streak, if you want to call it that. They have not played very well this year. Yeah, I'm calling Boston two to one. I think this game will actually be close. You think it's going to be a close we've one? We've seen okay. we've seen games with Detroit. You've seen Detroit and the Chicago games. That was really really ugly for them. I know we beat Ottawa before, pretty recently actually, but right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, you got John Gabriel Pajot with 15 goals to lead the team up there. 21 points as well leads the team. Anthony Duclair, Thomas Shabbat, Brady Kachuk all. All good, yeah, players. good players. Although I don't like Brady Kachuk, but he's a good player, though. Goaltending, Craig Anderson is. He had that one hot year a couple of years ago. Other than that, I I've never really believed in Craig Anderson. Five I mean, yeah, five eight zero this year. Most of the times he can play well. I mean he's having well seen so far. Well, actually no, he's not. Two eighty nine goals against nine oh five save. Yeah, it's some. Just, he's had a cold season. Yeah, it's unfortunate to see. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be uh, a Boston win. I don't know if it's going to be as close as a 2-1 to one win. Um, I'd like to say a 3-1, to one, not with an empty netter. I'm, yeah, I'm no scale Stradamus over here. So. Yeah, I think the one thing that the Boston Bruins most rely on for the Ottawa game and the upcoming game after Ottawa is the secondary scoring. I believe 
I mean, secondary scoring for the next game, which is going to be the Washington Capitals, by the way, is I think it will be tough. But I think it will be for the Ottawa game. Back to Ottawa. Yep. Uh, I think secondary scoring will be a big thing to come for this game. Yeah, I, I think the secondary scoring, where it's um, not as much of a drought this year as it had been last year, it definitely needs to pick up, especially where you're starting to see teams really clamp down on Pasternak. Um, once Bergeron gets back, you have that um, that power line of Bergeron, Krejci, and Marshawn. The, once Bergeron gets back, you know you may not see them clamping down on Pasternak quite as much because you're going to have that extra threat, although he has the threat of a Krejci or even a Coil at this point. Mm. Next up, we would, Boston will be heading to Washington on Wednesday night. Uh, they are first in the Metropolitan Division, 24-4-5, and 47 points. Like we mentioned a few minutes ago, winners of five straight. That's going to be a tough game. They yeah. always, always a tough game. I think Halak will be playing this game too, in my opinion. For an away game, I think we'll, do, I think we'll have him again because I think we're going to need him for this game. I don't know about Rask playing this game. I think he might not play well for a team like Washington. They have so many guys who can score the net easily. Just, just dirty goals. Just... One like on a top shelf. Yeah, I think Halak can get these kind of saves, in my opinion. Unbelievably talented team. John Carlson having a hell of a year. Definitely Absolutely. early candidate for the Norris Trophy. Alexander Ovechkin, maybe a little slow start by his standards, but still with 20 goals already. Yeah, I mean, he's getting a lot older. So, you know, players get older, they just get more bruised and battered. They become grizzled veterans. Yeah. Alexander Ovechkin's coming one of them, but he's playing well for – I think he's playing well for a guy his standards, in my, in my opinion. Uh, I think he'll get better. Washington is another one of the teams with only two, uh, only four, excuse me, um, regulation losses. Braden Holtby's having a good season, 14 wins, two losses, four overtime losses. That's a really good one. Yeah. Probably one of the best goaltenders right now. His save percentage is a little low for what I would add a 909. You'd like that a little closer to the 920 range. Uh, Mm. 282 goals against. This is this is going to be a real tough game. Absolutely. Um, I I always think back to how Braden Holtby one year just completely shut us down, and then I think back to how Boston opened the season last year and just got absolutely spanked. I think it was seven to one. Just yeah. not not going to be an easy game. You're really going to have to bring a, a game I mean, on that. It's not a good week, man. You got so many. You got two games with two. Well, one really good team who's been on fire, and then. One has been not so hot, but going into a team that's that's kind of been really hot. I mean, it's like, it's like a really, it's like a pace that gets changed. Yeah, it's definitely a change of pace. You got um, Ottawa again, probably the quote easiest game in the, these next four next week. Yeah, uh, and the last game next week is going to be on Thursday night against Tampa. So if you're saying Halak in Washington, so yes obviously going to be predicting Rask and Tampa. Yep, you're right. Tampa is right now currently 6th in the wild card, 13-10-3 with 29 points. They lost their last game. Not a great season. Yeah, but we've seen, again, we've seen teams like Chicago and Detroit. They've beat us before. I think uh, Boston will win. Again, it'll be a really close game. I think they'll be, I think guys like Stamkos or Kucherov can get a goal in on Rask, of course, because they're, all-star players for that team, but absolutely, I think Boston will get the win. I think again, did you say Kucherov too? Did Kucherov, you? yeah. Okay, 
Um, yeah, please forgive me. Kucherov with uh, only 10 goals this year. Didn't Wasn't he the league leader last year in goals, or was that just in points? I think he was. For points, I think he was too. But okay. for goals, I think he was really good at it. Yeah, they've they've had a rough start. They had to go. They went over to Sweden for the Global Series against Buffalo. Got a couple wins over there. Uh, they, I believe, have two games in hand on Boston. Unbelievably talented team. Um, the only person on this team I don't really like would be um, Pat Maroon. Oh yeah, I don't like that guy. And that's only because of last year. I actually think he's a good player. Goaltending has uh, been a little bit of an issue. Both goaltenders over three goals against the game. Both low nines for save percentage. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a a win on this one because Boston always plays Tampa hard. I'm gonna yeah. call it an overtime win. Oh yeah. I hear so you. my predictions for the week are gonna be: I say they beat Colorado, beat Ottawa, lose to Washington, overtime win in Tampa. Yeah, my predictions: I got Colorado beating Boston, Boston beating Ottawa. Washington beating Boston, and Boston beating Tampa Bay. All right. You heard it here first at the Boston Bee Party. David Rodriguez, Tyler Scales. Make sure you follow us at Boston Bee Party 1 on Twitter. Now up, a new segment we've come up with. We are doing the Boston Bee Party Power Play. Play the power play. Scores! Tyler's up first. Tyler, two minutes. So, the big thing about the Burns Road so far is the goaltending. We've seen Halak and Ras play very well in their games recently. They've had, they've mostly saved us in some of the games. You look at Montreal, you look at Washington. They've almost, I mean, Washington. We did lose to them, but Halak nearly saved us with 42 saves, I believe, or 41. Excuse, forgive me if I'm wrong. And then he had a shutout with Carolina in those type of games. And uh, Ras, he's been playing well too. And although I, a lot of people are saying he hasn't been playing too well as of late, but. In my opinion, he's played very well, and with the amount of saves he's had for uh, for some of his games, I think he's been playing well. That's all I have for the power play. Just significant goaltending, and and because of the eight-game win streak that we've had recently, they've played well. That's all I have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just just under a minute, we'll work on the power play. Yeah, it was just you did score though. Uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Rask, I believe, has been playing well. Thirteen-two. And three, two fourteen goals against after last night's uh, let's call it a debacle. Nine twenty nine save percentage. That's pretty damn good. Uh, Locke yeah, also seven one zero oh, and three. I think that's probably what it is. It's that only one regulation loss that everybody gets a hard on for. Again, another two fourteen goals against average and a nine thirty four save percentage. I absolutely agree with you. It's Tuka's had a couple of rough goes at it lately. I understand why people want Halak. He is absolutely a number one goaltender in this league. Good goal on that power play, my friend. Now I'm up. I'm going to talk about Anders Bjork for my power play. Play the power play. Scores! Anders Bjork, after two shoulder surgeries uh, in his first two seasons, he is still technically a rookie due to games played. He's come back. I believe he looks bigger, stronger, and much more physical, stronger on the puck. You're seeing Cassidy have a little confidence in him where he is playing on the power play. He's played on the penalty kill. I've seen him in the last minute or minute and a half of a game. Unfortunately, last night you really didn't see as much of him, or I didn't really hear as much of him as I would have liked. Um, He... 
has now played 21 games with Boston this season, four goals, three assists for seven points, and is a plus three. So you know, you know he's doing his his job defensively just by a simple basic plus three. Um, he doesn't really give up on plays. He's been good with his stick defensively in all three zones. I've seen him steal the puck and bring it in and take a shot. That's one thing. He's definitely not afraid to take his shot when it's there for him. He takes it. Uh, in Providence this year, Bjork played seven games, which they started him down there just kind of to get him back into it after two seasons ending with injuries. He has three goals, five assists, eight points down in Providence this year, four penalty minutes, and was good defensively with a plus five. This being his third season as a rookie, um, he's played 71 NHL games, nine goals, 13 assists for 22 points. Bjork scores! Bjork fresh off the bench himself with great speed and what a finish. Bjork's shot scores! Eight penalty minutes and is a plus four. I would like to see a little bit more out of Anders Bjork. He played just under 15 minutes last night. I think he's averaging just over 12 minutes a game. I, I understand he's a third or fourth liner for you right now, but I would like to see more from Anders Bjork. Slate the power play. Scores! That's going to do it for the Boston Bee Party power play, and it's also going to do it for the Boston Bee Party. I'm David Rodriguez. Tyler, have a good week. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. In a joust with Edmondson. Pasternak. Edmondson reaches around. Pasternak gets it back. McAvoy's wrist shot. Frenchie scores his 200th NHL goal. Carlo. Fonders Bjork. Has Pasternak ahead. The drive scores. 25 for Pasternak. Severson plugs it down. Palmieri to Hall with Palmieri going middle. Saved by Rask. A good read from Tuka Rask. Seeing Palmieri who can pot the puck. So one round at a time now. Alex Ovechkin. Closing in on 700 goals. Halak denies him! A desperate dive! And he blocks the shot with the left arm along the ice. With a little bit of flair, too. The swim move and tossing the puck back out in front of him after getting it with the glove. Spectacular. Middle stack. Now off Skinner's stick. Rodriguez to Montour distributes to Middlestad, high slot. Skinner the redirection. Wow, saved by Raz on his belly. He tries to squeeze the knees. Evan Rodriguez denied the goal. You can see him squeezing his hand right there because I think he has the blocker turned the other way and somehow he's going to get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Forty-seven for Boston. Both guys five minutes each for fighting. Yeah.